Hello, friends. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Elmwood Baptist Church. We are an independent fundamental Baptist church in Brighton, Colorado. We are so blessed to have you join us today. As we open God's word, I pray that you will be encouraged and strengthened. Our desire is for the world to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and for Christians to grow in an intimate relationship with Jesus and to serve God with their whole life. May God bless you richly as you listen today. Psalm 138, as you're turning there, we're going to have some baptisms at the close of the service this morning. And uh, Josh is going to get baptized. I'm proud of you, brother. I'm glad for you to do that. Amen. And Aku is going to be baptized this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just happy about that. Happy about that. Psalm 138. I've just entitled the message, (laughs) God's Precious Word. God's Precious Word, the Bible. You know, I got saved 42 years ago. And uh, a rock and roll musician, drug addict. I was in the hospital, and a preacher walked in, and he, uh, he asked me a question. He said, uh, "He said, if you could see in the Bible how that you could know that you can have a home in heaven, would you believe the Bible? I'm glad he said that. I'm glad he didn't say, would you believe me if I showed that to you? Because I, I was so, uh, oh, I don't know, antisocial, I guess, in a lot of ways. I, I would have not believed him. In fact, he looked like a police detective when he walked into my hospital room. He was already strike three. And, uh, and uh, but he said the Bible. He said, would you believe the Bible? And man, in an in a instantaneous thought, I thought, you know, if there's anything wholesome and clean and right left in this tired, stinking world, it's probably the Bible. And so, even as, I mean, I didn't know the front from the back of the Bible. Uh, The only thing I knew is it said Holy Bible. And uh, so I said, if I could see it in the Bible, I'd believe it. Well, you know, that's the precious Word of God, the Bible. The Bible. It's so important that we see in Psalm 138, if you look at verse 2, God says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Think of that for a moment. The blessed name of God in the Old Testament, that is the word Elohim. Elohim. And when the scribes would come to that word for God, the scribe would stop first and he would go and he would would change his his clothing, he would take a bath. He would put on fresh clothing. He would come back to the scribe's desk and he would take a new quill. He'd throw the old one away. And he'd take a new quill and he'd write the first letter of Elohim. Then he would stop. 
He would go and he would take a bath. He would change his garments and put on fresh new garments and come back and throw away the old quill and take a new quill and write the second letter. That's how much the word of that's how much the word God was revered. Now God says, and David speaking here, of course, through the inspiration of God, but God says, I will magnify my word above my name. That gives us some kind of idea how important this book is. Uh, I know it's, it's shunned in a lot of places, but it's, but it's God's holy word, and he's declared it to be higher than his name. The controversy of our present day, though, is about this thing called doctrine of preservation. That, that's what it's all about. It's, it's whether or not God has preserved his word for us. Whether or not this, this is a, 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 a replica of a 1611 King James Bible. 408 years old. The first widely publicized, published English Bible. We're talking about for English-speaking people. Has God preserved his word for people of the English language? He sure has. Right there it is. Right there it is. And, uh, but many argue about this doctrine of preservation. And, uh, and though God used holy men of God, the scriptures tell us, to work as scribes to write down every word from God, and then to preach that word to the entire world, the preservation of his word, we need to understand from the very beginning, didn't have anything to do with the faithfulness of man. You know, God said he would preserve his word. And God didn't need our help to do it. In Psalm chapter 12, notice on the screen, verse 6 and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. That pretty much settles it. God said that he would pre preserve his word. He would make sure that it was done. Let me give you some facts concerning the preservation of God's word. Number one, God is true and men are liars. That's the first thing we need to know. In Romans chapter number 3 and verse 4, the Word of God says, God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, thou, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Preservation of Scripture has to be taught about what God has to say about it, not what man thinks about it. We've got more people running around out of cemetery, I mean seminaries, got more degrees than their thermometer, think they know more than God concerning his word. And that's why, by the way, uh, they've come up with over a hundred different Bibles. Now, don't lose track of the real reason why we have a hundred different Bibles. It's all about follow the money. You understand what I'm saying? Follow the money. This is the most published. I'm talking about the Bible. It is the most published book 
ever to be published. And it is still that way. Publishers make millions upon millions of dollars every year selling Bibles. So it is all about the money too. But men say that God has not preserved His Word and that we have no real pure Word of God today. And men say that the preserved Word of God existed somewhere, but we don't have those originals, so we don't know where it is. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible tells us all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God has declared that He has breathed out His Word and inspired it. Theophanusto, God breathed. And God's the one that did that. God is the only one that could do that. Man didn't have anything to do with that. In Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. God says, my word's going to stand. My word's going to stand. That's why, that's why this Bible, from which this Bible came, is 408 years old. Critics have been trying to destroy that book for 400 years. They haven't succeeded. Why? Because it is God who preserves His Word. It is God who preserves His Word. And God has preserved His Word throughout every generation. I've, I've talked to many, many people about this over the years. They said, well, you know, some of these words in the old King James are hard to understand. You know, I was taught, I, I wasn't, you know, school was not my favorite subject. Now, you kids don't, you don't pay attention to anything I'm saying for these next few minutes. School was not my favorite subject. And so uh, <clears throat> I, 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 I didn't do that well, and uh, rightly so. But I did have enough on the ball to know that if you came up against a word that you didn't know, you had a dictionary and you should look it up and find out what it's all about. And that's, and that's all a person has to do now. Well, they have these, uh, uh, these words like evil concupiscence. Well, look it up. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that over the last 400 years, our language has been dumbed down. You see, we're not near as intelligent as our ancestors 100 years ago. Our language has, in fact, we don't even speak English. We speak American. English died a long time ago. Now, they still teach English classes. But truly, we, we speak a slang of English. And our vocabulary is this big compared to 100 years ago when the average kid had a vocabulary this big. And that's the truth. God has preserved, however, His Word for every generation, even our generation. And this is the thing I find most amazing. I want you to think about this. I'm from Montana. They call this horse sense. I find it amazing that God can create everything there is that exists and keep it all in order. But somehow the critics say that God is not powerful enough to preserve His own Word. 
And I think there's something wrong with the PhD, don't you? We have to choose who you're going to believe, God or man. For me, that morning in the hospital, it was God. I'm going to believe the Bible. That's why that morning I got saved. I, I was happy to do so. Tears running down my face. I didn't know that God loved me. And I didn't know that Jesus died for me. I had no idea that anybody could love me. And to die for me? Why, I tell you something, that ripped my heart wide open. Because I read it in the Bible. I'm not going to take man's word for anything. Let God be true and every man a liar. But number two, there's, a, there's an issue also. We need to ask this question. Is Bible preservation scriptural? Is it scriptural to have a Bible preserved for every generation? And the answer to that is yes. Of course it is. Now look at these, look at these passages. In Psalm 119 and verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments, look at it, endureth forever. We go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God doeth it, that men should fear before him. This is the book that God's going to open up, that the Lord Jesus is going to open up on Judgment Day. We're going to be judged out of God's Word. Isaiah 40 and verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. In Matthew 5, 18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Let me, let me explain that passage a little bit. God says that uh, heaven and earth will pass away before two of the smallest marks in the Hebrew language, the jot and the tittle, those were accent marks or breathing marks for the Hebrew language. And God said, not one jot or one tittle will pass from his word until all of it is fulfilled. That is amazing, folks. So God says, yeah, I'm preserving my word forever. What they needed 400 years ago is exactly what you and I need today. Human nature hasn't changed. We're still sinners. We're still sinners, in case you haven't woke up to that realization. We're sinners, and we need the Lord. Thirdly, we need to ask the question, is every word of God important? Every word. Is every word important? Well, there are four verses that I want to show you that in the Bible include every word. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, the Bible says, and look at it, that, ye, that he may... Make thee known that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. 
every word. Matthew 4 and verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Luke chapter 4, verse 4. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Proverbs 30 and verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Every word. Every word. And if we're going to live by every word of God, then we must make sure that the Bible that we have has every word of God in it. For example, the King James Bible is what's called a direct word-for-word translation. It is translated from the Hebrew, the Masoretic Hebrew in the Old Testament, every single word. Is important. You're going to see some of this tonight when I show you. That, and by the way, tonight, I promise you that if you're here tonight, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be shocked by something. But the differences, what do we have in some of the modern versions? Well, uh, there are folks probably in this room right now, they have a new King James open right now. And Thomas Nelson Publishers they promised years ago when the New King James came out, they said, we have not changed anything from the old King James. We just made some of the archaic words understandable. That's all we did. We didn't change its teaching. We didn't change its doctrine. I wonder how come 2,289 words were removed from the New King James Version. We didn't change anything. Let God be true, and every man a liar. The NIV had 5,219 words removed from the Bible, 16 complete verses of Scripture. The New American Standard Version, which is, by the way, it, it's the Bible. Let me, let, me, let me tell you who. The New American Standard Version is the, is the version that is uh, used by Chuck Swindoll. It is the version used by Charles Stanley. It is the version used by John Piper. 
The New King James Version, by the way, uh, was, is used by David Jeremiah. It's used by John Maxwell. The New Century Version by Max Lucado. Billy Graham used various different translations, but preferred to use the NIV when he was writing articles. Now, folks, these are some of the most popular preachers that we have, Billy Graham being now with the Lord, but they were all using the King James before they switched to another version. Now, you have to ask yourself the question, why? Why is that? And so you have the New American Standard Version held up by many to be the most, uh, the most authentic and the most accurate translation there is. There's 3,561 words that they removed out of the King James Bible. 17 full verses. The New Revised Standard Version, 3,890 words removed. I'm supposed to live by every word. 18 whole verses removed. The Revised Standard Version. So we have the original that had 6,985 words removed. What were those words? Well, they know. 25 whole verses completely out of the Bible. Aren't those verses important to me? God says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. You see, beloved, the way it comes down is that this is all about money and it is all about uh, getting people to buy Bibles than it is about having the accurate Word of God. You see, if you think God's a joke, then it doesn't matter what the Bible you use. If you think it doesn't matter, then use the comic book version of the Bible. Use the Reader's Digest version of the Bible. Use any Bible you want. But if you believe in a holy God in heaven that one day you're going to stand before face to face, then I guess I would get real serious about what is his word. Are there any major doctrines affected? One of those, Josh. One of the major doctrines that's affected that I'll show tonight is the doctrine of baptism. The critics say nowhere in the Bible does the Bible tell a person uh, when and how they should be baptized? Oh, yeah? Their Bible doesn't tell them, but my Bible does. My Bible does. And, and many other doctrines, as you'll see tonight. But part two is doctrines that are destroyed by Bibles that are being used by people, preachers that are on television, preachers that are on the radio, Preachers who have now long since... By the way, Billy Graham's all straightened out now. Okay? Uh, listen, they used the wrong Bible. And they know it because they all started out using the King James. And they left it for commercial purposes. Every one of those names that I named, every one of those preachers has a study Bible named after him. When you have a study Bible and you're selling it to the world, it's all about buying. It's all about the gold gold name. Now listen. Listen to me. It is serious business. What is the Bible? If I come to you with an open Bible and say, can I show you how you can know for sure you have a home in heaven 
according to the Bible. You don't have to trust me. But if you don't know which Bible is God's word, how are you going to trust the Bible? So it's important. Fourthly, we need to ask the question, how are we to treat the preserved words of God? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2 tells us, You shall not add unto the word which I commanded you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32. What things soever I command you, observe to do. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. The very last book of the New Testament. In fact, two verses from the very end of the canon of Scripture. God says in his word, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. God takes it very seriously. Yeah, we can blow it off. We can say, God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. To put it plainly, God's saying, don't you dare tamper with my word. Don't you dare tamper with it. Well, I, I shared with you that uh, there were various versions that removed words. But you know the New American Standard Version had 3,561 words added? Did you know that, uh, did you know that the, uh, the New Century Version, this one of the latter ones, had 11,114 words that they added to? Now, God said, listen... I don't want you just to concentrate on not taking away. I don't want you to add to my word. We've got cults right now. Cults that have taken the Bible and then have written companion books and have put the Bible off to the side and said, here's the companion book and this is what you need to focus on. Now folks, religion is big business in the world today. I'm speaking to you truthfully now that God is concerned about his word and we need to be concerned about it as well. God wants us to really, really uh, take this very seriously. What does God think of his word? What does God Almighty think of his word? Now, he's given it to mankind. Well, I started with this verse. Psalm 138.2 David said, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's what God thinks of his word. He thinks it's the most important thing that there is. His holy word. The King James Bible that you hold in your hand that is the Word of God for English-speaking people. If you're a Christian this morning, you should love it. You should love it exceedingly. You should delight in it.
You should, you should read it. And you should follow it. And, and you should stand in awe of it. I've been preaching for a good number of years now. And every time I see in the Word of God as I'm preparing a message, I'm just amazed, absolutely amazed, on how a book so old could be so relevant for today. Well, God knew how to do it, didn't he? We're to, we're to keep it. We're to hide it in our hearts. We're to rejoice in the Word of God. But most of all, most of all, we're supposed to obey it and trust it. It's called the law of God. You know, we all know about laws, and, and if I have law enforcement and retired law enforcement in our congregation. And you know something? Uh, if they were to instruct you concerning the law of man, one of the first things they'd tell you is that you need to obey the law. If you don't obey the law, then you might just have to suffer the consequences of not obeying the law. But you need to trust it concerning God's word. Trust it that it absolutely is what God says it is. And here's what it says, dear friend. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means we're all in the same boat. We're not going to heaven. Oh, but wait a minute. <laughs> God says... In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. That's physical and eternal death. But the gift of God, the gift of God. I like gifts. Christmas is coming up. How many like gifts? Raise your hand. Amen? <laughs> I like gifts. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Oh, dear friend, don't you want to have eternal life? Now, here's a question. I answered, tried to answer this a few messages ago. But you, you, mankind has three questions that it obviously has to answer. Number one, where did I come from? Number two, why am I here? Number three, probably the most important one, where am I going? Well, and I don't mean to be morbid, and I don't want to cast a cloud over this message this morning. But we're all going to death. Every one of us. And you've already experienced this in your life. Loved ones and friends, you've gone to funerals, memorials, all of that. All of mankind's going the same direction. But the question is, the question is this morning, where am I going personally? I'm a sinner. I've come short. The wages of my sin is death and eternal death. God says he has a gift, and that's what Pastor Elliot shared with me that morning. June 2nd. June 30th, I'm sorry. 1977. 
And he, he shared with me the, those passages. And he said, would you like that gift, Gary? God says, yeah, I do. I said, yes, sir. And so he said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, not the head, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Not confession like religion has it. Come confess your sins. I'm not your priest confessor. You confess to the Lord that he's Lord. You confess to the Lord that I'm a sinner and I need you, Lord. You know, a man who's drowning doesn't need swimming lessons. He needs a lifeguard. Uh, we're sinners. We don't need to have some 12-step program on how not to be sinners. We need a Savior. That's what we need. And the Lord goes on in this word that is his word. And he says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed to tell you that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm not ashamed to tell you that he washed my sins away. Now, I'm not sinlessly perfect. But as far as judgment is concerned, God has washed my sins away. By the way, Josh, this baptism doesn't wash anything away. It's a testimony that you have trusted in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's what it means. And the Lord said finally in his word, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now if God says that we need to be saved, guess what? We need to be saved. You don't need a denomination. You don't need a church. You don't need Pastor Randall or priest so-and-so or rabbi whatever to be saved. To know that you have a home in heaven, all you simply have to do is call upon the Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what the thief on the cross next to him did that morning at Calvary. He said, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He was a bad man being executed for his crimes. He wasn't a church member. He'd never been baptized. He probably didn't do a good thing in his whole life. Jesus turned to him and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. How could that be? How could a rotten criminal being executed for his crimes meet the Lord Jesus that day in paradise. Why? Because he called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord is good. Remember, God is true and every man is a liar. Oh, be careful, dear friend. But the last passage I want to show you this morning is the passage that sealed the deal for me. It's the passage I think that has sealed the deal for many. And it's found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. And let these words speak to you. These things have I written, written unto you 
that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Remember, we're living by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That word know is a whole world worth of difference between Bible knowledge and religion. Bible knowledge and denomination. Listen, up in heaven, there isn't the Baptist cloud, the Lutheran cloud, the Catholic cloud, the Episcopal cloud. Listen, put all that nonsense out of your mind. That is all man-made junk. The Bible is what people need. The Bible is what Elmwood Baptist Church is all about. And dear friend, when God says that you can know that you have eternal life right now in this life. <laughs> Doesn't it just make good sense to know? Because one thing you do know, you're going to die. Yep. You're going to die from the smallest to the oldest. And I'm sorry that I have to be the bearer of bad news. But you know, I heard preacher, an old preacher say this one time. He said, you know, you're not ready to live until you're prepared. Thank you for listening to our sermons from Elmwood Baptist Church. If you like our ministry and want to know more, check out our website at www.elmwoodbaptist.org or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we continue to study God's Word and grow in His grace. God bless you, my friends.